Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. Um, we are in the middle of a series called The Mad Dash. Well, we actually are looking at the last one today of our series. Uh, if you've been following along, we've been looking at that scripture that says, Teach us to number our days so that we can have gain a heart of wisdom. I had to think about that for a minute. Um, and so I'm going to finish that today. Um, how many of you watched a lot of the Olympics this summer? Anybody watch the Olympics? Does anybody know who Usain Bolt is? Yes, you do. Does anyone know who Mo Farah is? Right. Yes, exactly. Mo Farah. So if you followed them this year, uh, this Olympics, uh, Usain Bolt ended up with the triple-triple. Yes? And Mo Farah ended up with the double-double. Double-double-double. <laughs> uh, I want to ask you a question as I get started today, and I want you to think about it quite carefully, okay? I want you to imagine Usain Bolt and Mo Farah are having a race. Who's going to win? Huh? You guys are so clever. It depends, doesn't it? What kind of race? If it's a sprint, of course Usain Bolt's going to win. If it's a long distance race, it's going to be Mo, right? The question is, what kind of a race are they running? Because they're completely different. If you look at a sprinter, they are muscly. Because the 100 and the 200 meters is all about explosive energy, isn't it? They're out of the blocks as fast as possible. They're running hard. I believe they don't even breathe during the race. They hold their breath because that helps them to release more of the energy that they need for their sprint. And it's over in under 10 seconds. Yes? Something like Mo Farah's race, the 10,000 meters or the 5,000, I think that's what he did. Those are the two that he won uh, at this Olympics. They don't start incredibly quickly, do they? It's kind of a medium pace. Now, it takes them about 30 minutes to run 10Ks, which would take me about an hour. Okay? But it's a, a, it's a slower pace. They're a lot leaner. They're more wiry looking. They're built differently. They've trained differently because it's a completely different race. Now, if you were to think about life, and we're talking about this question of the mad dash, right? Often, our lives are frenetic. We're running around from thing to thing, thing to thing, thing to thing. But actually, this life, if you were to compare it to a race, would be more like a marathon, wouldn't it? Anyone agree with me? Okay. Thank you very much. Life is not a sprint. It's more like a marathon. And so that's kind of why we've been talking about this question of teach us to number our days. This idea of let me think about now because now determines how I finish the end of the race. If I'm planning on an explosive start, I'm not going to finish well. Amen. And so what I want to do today is just talk about this whole idea that we need to stop thinking like sprinters. Okay. We need to start thinking like marathon runners when it comes to the way that we do life. And so I'm going to read, if I can today, from the book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, this is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, reading from, no, 9, sorry, reading from verse 18. He says, What then is my reward? Just this, that in preaching the gospel I may offer it free of charge, and so not make full use of my rights 
as a preacher of the gospel, right? So what he's saying there is he has rights, but he's not talking about meeting his rights. He's talking about how he can most effectively preach the gospel. Though I am free and belong to no one, he says, I've made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those who are under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, although I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. So I had to keep track there. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I've become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I love that verse. I do all for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. And then he goes on. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer uh, beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Um, some of you may have noticed that a few of us weren't here last week because we were participating in the Jersey Marathon. Now, I'd love to say that I was running the whole marathon, but I was part of an awesome team of five people who ran the relay. And um, this is my participants' medal. I'm quite proud of it. What do you think? It's awesome, eh? <laughs> How many of you know that this medal, this participant's medal, is different from the winner's medal? Right? You understand the difference? Let me, let me explain to you why it's different, okay? Our team did awesomely, and we finished the marathon in four hours and ten minutes. This is your cue to applause. Thank you very much. <laughs> and we did feel broken, or I did at least. Now, the winner completed the same distance all by himself in two hours and 18 minutes. How is that possible even? Our coach had barely dropped us off out all the way in St. Juan's. You know how far that is, right? And barely gotten off the coach, and these gents, a pack of three of them, were running past like a lion was chasing them. They were running fast. And I was left feeling gobsmacked. I mean, you know, they literally halved our time. One person, five people. It should be different. It should be the other way around. How is it that someone can finish a race like that in that time? I want to tell you today that it doesn't happen by accident. Yes, 
I'm telling you that Russian dude didn't arrive at the line and go, what's going on here today? Quickly strip off into his boxes and his string vest and run, right? He was ready, and I want to tell you very quickly how he comes to be ready for something like that. Number one, he sets himself a goal. I want to win a marathon. Amen. You don't do it by accident. It's 41 and a half kilometers to those of you who do kilometers, and 26 miles to do miles. It takes a lot of planning, right? It takes a lot of hard work. I can attest to this because I've been running since April trying to get some fitness going in my life and it's not easy it's not easy and it takes consistency but more importantly and this is what I want to talk about today it takes a winning attitude what I've learned more than anything is that the battle is won and lost up here not here Okay, a winning attitude. A winning attitude affects the way that you think, right? If you have winning thoughts, then you start to speak winning words, right? And when you're speaking winning words, it's normally followed by winning actions. If you have got negative thoughts, your words are negative and your actions are negative. If, you, if your mind talk speaks down to you, you'll begin to think that way and talk that way and act that way. So uh, whilst there's a lot of physical preparation that goes into it, it's our minds where the battle is won and lost. And I want to tell you today that you and I, no matter where we are, can develop a winning attitude. Do you believe that? You might not have a great winning attitude right now, but I've learned, because I've understood myself, that you can develop more of a winning attitude. And that's what I want to talk about today. In, uh, in a marathon, only one person can win, right? But if you're going to compete, you have to have the winning attitude. You have to have the attitude of someone that's going to try and work hard you don't win, like I was saying earlier on, by showing up at the start line and just having a go. It's impossible to do that. And so what I want to try and talk about today is I want to, I want to talk about this winning attitude and I want to contrast it with something called an, an entitled attitude. Do you know what I mean by that? Right? Um, winning attitude versus entitled attitude. I reached and Heidi reached a milestone in our Jersey lives because this August five years passed now if you're born and bred in Jersey that means nothing to you but if you're someone who has come to the island and understands all the rules and regulations regarding work it's a significant moment because it means that after five years when you get this card which says entitled for work that you have the whole playing field open to you you can apply for any job. I just got this card and I loved the phrase entitled. Because no matter what that says, you know what, it, it says I'm entitled, it means I have rights. And we have a generation that has grown up with rights. Amen. Now, if I go for a job interview and I say to them, here's my card, it says I'm entitled for work, this is my job. Will I get the job? Maybe. <laughs> if I'm the best applicant. Amen. 
Sadly in life, life isn't one of those things where you just arrive and you get what you like. It makes me sad uh, at school to see children when they have what is not nearly what we would have called an athletics day, when there are no winners. Everyone just gets a medal for trying, you know? Um, and some of you will feel quite strongly about that, I'm sure, but life's not like that. We have to learn to excel and push and strive to achieve in life. Otherwise, you get this attitude which says, I'm here, give it to me, right? And sadly, as much as we would like it to be like that, life is not like that. We need to expel or extend our effort. Expectation without effort equals entitlement. And so what I want to do today is try and dispel this idea that the world owes us something and start to think and take responsibility for the way that we live our lives and have a winning attitude, okay? Because expecting things to come into our laps on a plate is going to put us in a very unfortunate situation. Can I say to you today, maybe you've learned this already if you've been around for a while, you don't have a right to a happy life. Yes? It's not your right. If your life's going to be happy, it's because you've made it happy and you've learned to become content. Yes? You don't have the right to a happy marriage. It takes hard work, right? You don't just say, I do, and it's all wonderful. It takes effort. It takes a winning attitude. You don't have the right to a great job. If you're not the best applicant, you need to work harder. Amen. You don't have a right to a healthy body. You can't eat at McDonald's three times a day for the rest of your life and expect to be healthy. Amen. These are just some ideas just to try and give you an idea. I think we agree, do we not? That having this attitude that it's just my right is unhelpful. Paul had two goals from our scripture today. Number one is he wanted to finish his race strong. Okay? He didn't want to cruise through life and achieve very little. He wanted to put mega effort in with godly wisdom and leave a mark in history. And he did. Right? He wanted to finish his race well. And his second goal was to take as many people with him to heaven as possible. That was it. He wanted to be found faithful at the end. He didn't want to be disqualified. He wanted to stay in his lane and run true, undistracted, undeterred, wholeheartedly committed without stepping out of his lane. And that's not easy. Life has a way of distracting us. But I want us to talk about how we can have a winning attitude, how we can stay focused, how we can reach that finish line at the end of our lives and burst through the tape with every last ounce of our energy and resources. Amen. Paul was prepared to count the cost to see that happen. 
I don't know if you picked it out in the first portion of that reading. He was talking about the idea that as a preacher of the gospel, it is his right to be paid. In fact, parts of the Bible talk about how he was deserving of a double portion as a preacher of the word. But he wasn't fighting for his right to be rewarded financially. What was more important to him was that money did not prevent him from preaching the gospel. He had a right to be paid for all the work and ministry that he did, but he was prepared to forego it for something greater. Amen. So he was giving up his right for something else that for him was more important. He was prepared to forego it. It goes on to talk about how he didn't try and sustain this way of life that was um, protected from life. Uh, he, He was prepared to become like a Jew or he was prepared to become like someone under the law, or, or someone weak. He was prepared to bring himself down to the, to the level of the people that he was trying to reach. Amen. He was prepared to forego his rights to see his goals fulfilled. And life is like that. Amen. We have to forego some things in life if we really want to achieve the things that we're aiming for. It's impossible It's impossible to have everything we want. It's impossible. There are more important things sometimes. So let me try and labor this point a little bit more. If you want to become a star athlete, you have to forego your right to lazy mornings in bed. Amen. Do you agree? If you want to be a star athlete, you can't eat whatever you want and as much as you want, right? If you want to be a star athlete, you can't spend countless hours in front of the TV, yeah? Or on Facebook. If you want to be a star athlete, you can't live at the pub. They just don't fit together. So are you understanding my point today? For us to have a winning attitude, we need to be focused on what we want and getting there. Amen. And so I want to spend the rest of my time this morning just talking about four things that I've learned since I have been training for, well, actually, my goal was to shift a bit of weight and to get my fitness levels up. That's what caused me to start running at the beginning of the year. And then I thought, wouldn't it be great for us? We've been talking, a few of us, about the idea of doing the marathon, and I was like, I can't do the whole thing. But let's see if we can get a few people together. And so we've been training hard. And can I surprise, if you haven't been following me on Facebook, you probably won't understand, or you won't have known this, but I managed to run 15 kilometers one day without stopping. Now for some of you that's like, nothing. For me, that's like climbing Everest 10 times and coming back down alive, you know? Uh, it's been a journey for me, but there's some things that I've learned, and I want to share them with you. Number one, you have to have a goal right? They say if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it. You miss 100% of the shots that you never take. Does that make sense? Right? If you aim for the sky and you miss it, at least you'll be halfway there. My point is today, what is your life for? It's a big question. James, I wasn't planning on something so deep. Why are you living your life? Who are you living your life for? If you can start to answer some of those questions, it'll help you to identify your goal and why you're living. Paul, his goal, as I shared, was to finish strong 
and to preach to as many people as possible. Because he realized, and he was a guy who used to make tents to try and fund what he was doing. He realized that he could make awesome tents, but one day when Jesus comes back, they don't mean anything. And so we've been challenging you over these last four weeks to think about what we do in this life because this life is but a flash. Eternity is forever and ever. There's no number to quantify eternity. And so we should think about the end in mind so that we can live today right and achieve what we're aiming for. So my first point is you have to have a goal. And can I challenge you, what is your goal for Jesus? There are loads of goals that we can have. We can have, my, my goal is to have the best marriage that I possibly can. I've got lots. My goal is to raise my kids and have awesome kids the best that I can, you know. Uh, in this life, there are goals that we can have, but what are we doing eternally? What are we planning for? What are we setting our sights on? So that's the first point. The second point that I want to make today is that you need to plan your progress. Amen. The path of least resistance provides us with the least progress. Now, if your goal in life is just to cruise, to, to make it as easy as possible, to avoid any complications, you most likely will not grow as a person. You most likely will not progress in your faith. You will stay the same. You have to have a plan if you want to progress. Failing to plan is planning to fail, as someone said. Once you've got your plan in place, that's great. But now the hard work begins. And this is, in essence, what I'm talking about today. Life requires hard work. We should get used to the idea. Life is not easy. Life is not straightforward. Life is not simple. We should stop stamping our feet and saying, Why God? And instead say, Lord, you said, in this life we will have trouble, but you have overcome, and I will get through, and I will be better for everything that you bring me through. Amen. We need to be prepared to work hard at our progress plan. The second thing we need to do is be consistent. Be consistent. Consistency over time is what achieves greatness. Like if you're a marathon runner and you run once a week, that's great but you won't win. If you run five times a week for two weeks and then take three months off, you won't win. You're going to have to run three or four times a week for months to be prepared to have any hope of competing in the marathon and winning the prize. One run is not good enough. We need to be consistently working hard, building on layer upon layer upon layer in life. Right? working hard. The other thing I've discovered when it comes to a progress plan is surrounding yourself with the right people. How many of you know that's true? It made it so much easier for me when I was training by running with other people who were training with me. You can go by yourself, but you'll get tired and you'll fall short. We always go further together. Amen. Now the question I want to ask you today is who are you surrounding yourself with? Are they going to help you to have a winning attitude in life? 
Are they going to help you to succeed? Are they spurring you on? Are they encouraging you? Or are they like a stumbling block in your life? It's possible there may be people that you've surrounded yourself with who are not helping you in your quest to be everything that God wants you to be. And as sad as it is, you need to find other people to spend the majority of your time with. Don't cut those people out of your life altogether, but don't let them be the inner circle anymore in your life. Amen. Surround yourself with the right people. You have to fuel yourself. I've realized that my appetite has gone through the roof since I've been doing all the running. Right? Now, actually, I could starve myself and say that'll let the weight come off quicker, but it doesn't. We have to feed ourselves. I want to ask you today, what are you feeding yourself on? What does your diet consist of? Not, not just the things that you put in your mouth, but the things that you're watching, the things that you're doing, the places that you're going. How is that feeding you? God's word is bread for life. Amen. It is the bread of life. It is the fuel that fills us with strength to carry on. So that's just a little encouragement for you to be people who are hungry for the word of God. We can snack on the word, but that only helps us so much. The word of God is not cake for special occasions. Amen. It's food for life. So number one, we need to have a goal. Number two, we need to plan our progress. This is almost like a New Year's message, isn't it? Number three, the thing that I've learned more important than anything is true grit. Does anyone know what stamina is? Stamina is one of those things that if you're not a long distance runner, you don't have it. And it's not like you eat a bar and suddenly you've got stamina. <laughs> Those of you who have done any long distance running know that it takes lots of running to build your stamina up. I wish that there was a quick fix to help us in life to have stamina, to be fierce on the inside, to have a strong backbone inside. Amen. But it's life, life itself that teaches us to build stamina. And how we deal with life determines how much stamina develops inside of us. I said before, it's all about our minds and what the battle is that's going on inside of our minds. You know, some of us, and I can speak for myself, we, we, we are experts at quitting. Amen? We start, it gets a bit tough, and we let our motivation melt. And we become people that never finish anything. When life gets a bit tough, we get packed up and we run. But actually, what God calls us to is to tough it out. And I know that life can throw some seriously hard stuff at us. Amen. But God gives us strength in our weaknesses and in our difficulties. We need to develop grit. We need to be people who are consistent and reliable and strong on the inside because we are we're in the lap of God. His strength is flowing in our, in our veins. He's enabling us to run strong. We need to learn to push ourselves. This is an encouragement for you. Push on. Push on. Keep your head down. Don't give up yet. 
Don't give up. Don't let it be an option. Just keep pushing no matter what you're facing. Get used to processing the pain a bit better. Amen. We don't like pain. It's often what makes us stop. But if we can fix our eyes on Jesus, his strength will help keep us going. And my last point that I want to make today, this is what I've learned. Run your race. You know, we can often look up at spiritual giants and say, man, I want to be like him. Or I want to be like her. I want to change the world like that great person of God. But you know what? You're not that great person of God. You're a different person. You have a different call on your life. You have different gifts. You have different talents. Amen. If I start running, like this is what happened with me last Sunday. I knew that I was just going to run my race. I was going to start slow and I was just going to keep going and I was going to finish my whatever 11.4Ks without doing any walking. But I got caught up in the atmosphere of the day. And I saw other people running way faster than I can run. And I thought I was running slow, but I wasn't running slow enough. I hadn't found my pace. I was trying to keep up with people who are not me. And at the end of the day, I ran out of strength. I ended up walking. I ended up feeling really tired. And this is my last point for you today, folks. I don't want you to look at other people and compare yourself to them and expect to do all that they do, but find out what God is calling you to do and do that thing with the best of your efforts. Pace yourself. Pace yourself in life. Otherwise, life will run you ragged. Amen. You can't do everything at the pace of other people. You've got to run at your pace. Run your race. Hebrews chapter 12, I'm going to finish with this verse now, says, Therefore, and verse 1, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and the Greek word for that is martyrs, martyrs, we're surrounded by people who have given up unbelievable things for the Lord, even their lives. This place is filled with them. They're watching us right now. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. There's three things I want to pray for this morning. Number one, while I've been speaking today, God may have revealed some things to you which are hindrances to your spiritual walk and to what he's calling you to do. They're getting in the way. You don't need them in your life, but they're not going to go away by themselves. Okay? Just hindrances, other priorities that are not priorities perhaps. Then there's this idea of sin that entangles. There is sin in our lives that can prevent us from reaching our full potential for Jesus. Maybe while I've been speaking today, you've become aware of a sin in your life that's like an anchor, a storm anchor that's dragging you along. You're, you're trying to run, but it's dragging along behind you and it's making you walk. Are there sin issues that you need to deal with today? So hindrances, sin that entangles. And then the third thing that I'd love to pray for this morning, if you need this, is perseverance, the ability to persevere, no matter what, for Jesus. Amen.
So if, if you fit into any of those three categories today, there'll be some folk here at the end of the service who would love to pray for you. And I'd love you to come forward and just meet with the Lord. Amen. Shall we stand together? If the band can come up, I'm going to pray. The band are going to lead us in a song. Uh, and then we're going to finish there. And I'd love for you to come and pray. That would be fantastic. Shall we stand together? Yes, we're up. Let's close our eyes and just bow our heads. Lord, we thank you for your words today, God. We thank you that you're alive in us, Lord. We thank you for the race that lies before us and for the race that we've run. God, I pray that no matter what's happened in our past, God, it will not prevent us from running straight and true for you from this day forward. Lord, if there are hindrances in our lives, things that are preventing us from reaching our potential, God, I pray you help us deal with them today, Lord. Thank you right now even for putting your finger on those things and revealing them to us. Lord, if there is sin in our lives that is entangling us, that is causing us to trip and stumble, Lord, we want to be free from that today. Thank you, God, for giving us freedom as we pray. And Lord, we thank you too. Your word says that you've given us everything that we need for life and godliness. I thank you that there's nothing that we lack, God, when we look to you, when we fix our eyes on you. I pray today, Holy Spirit, that you would be our breath, that as we breathe you in today, you would fill us with a new strength and a new perseverance to run for you without growing weary or without fainting. Thank you that you renew our strength today and help us to run with you as our finishing line. In Jesus' name, I pray. Let's worship together. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.